if you are trying to navigate your social life and you're finding it super awkward and frustrating, you are so not alone. Socializing sober is hard. When all you've known for most of your adult life is pre-gaming before parties, drinking to feel confident, and all your social events revolved on how much drinking you'd be able to do. In this episode, we talk about learning how to socialize sober, social awkwardness, and all. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. Real quick, we just want to remind you, or let you know for the first time if you're new here, that we host meetings just like this podcast on Monday nights. We get together and divide off into small groups and have conversations just like the ones we have here. So if you're looking for some meaningful connection with people who really understand you, visit our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com for everything you need to know. We'd love to meet you. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited about today's conversation. We are going to start with introductions. We have three really special people with us here today. All of them are friends of ours. And yeah, it's just really good to have everybody. So we will start with Vince. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm Vince. I'm, I've been uh, sober for about four years. I didn't quit uh, drinking until I was 60 years old, so it was kind of a long grind to get there. But I, I'm really happy that I did. I live in uh, Arizona in the Southwest U.S. I am married, and I have two adult children, and we just this year had our first uh, grandchild, so it's been fun to be part of her life. So, And you get to do it all sober, which is amazing. Yeah, it was a big part of my motivation, actually. Awesome. Fully. Really so cool. cool. Well, thank you for being here. It's really good to see you. It's good to have you. And next we will go with Catherine. Uh, I'm Catherine. I'm from a small town in Texas. I'm 31 years old and I am 632 days sober. What does that work out to in like years or months or? In seven days, I think I'm 21 months sober. Super cool. Yeah, right. uh, I've worked really hard to get where I'm at, where I'm at today. So I, uh, I'm very happy about it and very glad really, to be really happy to have you. Thank you for being here. And yeah, thank you for, for being willing to share your journey with us. And last but not least, we have Matthew, who is back for the second time. How are you tonight? Very good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back. Look at the setup, Matthew, right outside uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Twenty-two years old, and twenty-two uh, <laughs> years old. <laughs> yeah, times three. No, uh, 40, 48. Um, I've been sober now. I just hit thirty-four months. Thirty-four months. Yeah, right on. Coming up, coming up on three years here shortly. And uh, yeah, love it, love over life, sober journey, 
Amazing. Glad to be here. Glad to, really have, you, glad to have you. Yeah. Thank you for being back. So our topic today is socializing in sobriety. This comes up so often in conversation, and it's a challenge so many people face that we thought it was an important one to talk about. I know when I first stopped drinking, I couldn't even imagine myself going out and socializing and actually having fun sober. So tell us about your experiences. How has socializing changed since you've stopped drinking? What challenges have you faced and what have you learned that you can share with our listeners? I have about two experiences I would like to share. And one's super positive and the other one is something that I feel uh, a lot of people could struggle with if they were ever put in this position. And so the first one is I was about two weeks sober and I went to a party and I knew I shouldn't have gone to the party because I was like, man, it's a little too early to be going out and enjoying myself by drinking water while everybody else is drinking. Well, a bottle of whiskey got handed to me and I almost took a shot of it. And then my friend was like, no, she's sober. And I ended up not drinking that night because, you know, not only did she take the bottle, she's like, you've you've gone so far already, like don't ruin it because you're here at this party and so I thought that was really really cool and it meant meant a lot to me and so I ended up not drinking I still had a really good time you know because they were close personal friends and I didn't need alcohol to enjoy that party and then another time dating sober is difficult especially when you don't leave a certain environment when you should And so I was dating this guy who enjoyed drinking a little too much. And we went out to New Braunfels and he took me to all these really cool places. And he's like, I want to take you to this winery, but you have to drink. And I'm just like, well, I'm not going to do that. So we're not going to go to the winery. And then we went to this other bar and he's like, well, I'm going to take you to this oyster bar and I'm going to have this drink that I think that you just absolutely love and you need to try it and you just need to drink one. And I'm just like, well, I'm not going to do that. So. Uh, no, but we can still go to the oyster bar because I will get down on some oysters. And so we went and then he's like putting this drink in my face and he's like, hey, just try it. You'd love it. It's got cucumber and lime and it's just refreshing and it'll it'll boost you up and and all this. And I'm just like, listen, I'm not going to have a drink like I'm not going to do this. I can't go down that road again. I will not do it. And so I ended up being a fight. And it's just really hard for somebody to tell you like, hey, you'd be a lot cooler if you drank. <laughs> and it's like, OK, well, you didn't know me when I was drinking. So you definitely can't say that. Yeah. So um, it's and it's, it's one of those things if, if I wasn't so far with my sobriety, that would have been an issue and that would have caused me to relapse and that would have caused me to probably go through even bigger health issues than I had before I quit drinking. And so it's it was cool to stand my ground and say no and be that bigger person because it showed how much I've grown with sobriety. But then it's also it makes it scary to go out and socialize and do cool things and do fun things with people drinking around you. That would be so hard. I have not had anybody try to pressure me into drinking. And that would just be such a struggle for me. I think it's amazing that you were able to stand up for yourself like that. How long had you been sober when you got to that point? Uh, Less than a year because it was about a year ago. And yeah, it was a year. Yeah. Huh. Good for you. Really amazing. That's pretty wild. 
That is yeah. amazing. I had just something brief. I was just at my parents last weekend and my dad went, went to the garage and he came out and he had this glass, clear glass bottle, looked like a Corona bottle, clear glass bottle. And it said Muskoka maple ale. And I just looked at him and I was just like, really? <laughs> right. And he was like, no, 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 no. It's just pop. And I'm like, like it says Muskoka, like a maple ale right on it. Like you're selling, uh, there's no way you're selling me this bag of pucks. I'm in Canada, right? <laughs> there's no way you're selling me this bag of pucks. That shit says ale on it. He's like, Steve, there's no alcohol in it. It's just like a maple soda pop. Like it, that's all it is. And I grab the bottle and I inspect it like I'm forensics. Right. Like I'm staring this thing down. I'm like, I ain't touching this thing. And he's like, Steve, it's going to be all right. I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. I, I need this bottle. Yes. It was just like a maple flavored pop, but I was. That fear is real though. It right. Is. And I've never had like something like that put right in front of me like that, where like I didn't have control over where it came from or anything like that. And it's reminder of. And it almost had the same color, like it was a darker hue than 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 that like that golden color of a Corona. But still, it was enough to like red sirens and bells and shit are going off, and like in my head, like I said, forensics and CIA and SWAT, everything's showing up, right? I'm like, whoa, back up the bus. Like I could easily just not drink this and go get some water. It would be cool. <laughs> That's your fact that you the fact that you have maple flavor beverages, it's a whole nother issue. <laughs> yeah. Dude, welcome to Canada. Missing out. I love maple. I, I would be a good Canadian, I think. But you know. <laughs> I love maple, but I mean syrup and you know, <laughs> going to butter. Donuts. Maple maple butter. There you go. <laughs> and I I was gonna oh, go ahead, sorry, sorry. No, you go ahead. I was gonna say I, I was a little like Julie, like I, I could not imagine living a life where I didn't have alcohol involved in social occasions. I mean, every time I hung out with somebody, we were drinking wine. If it was to meet somebody, it was like, Hey, let's meet for a drink. I have a group of guy friends that I've known for a long time. We go camping and fishing and there's always drinking involved. So I just couldn't even imagine like what that would be like. It was one of the things that kept me from quitting for a long time. Is I just thought I want everybody to hang out with, um, mm-hmm. and there, like, I had one experience with a friend that was negative. I, looking back on it, I think it was a little bit of the way I handled it. I was talking to him about how I quit drinking. At that time, I was just like a convert. I was so excited about the fact that I wasn't drinking anymore, and that I was starting to feel really good about it, and. It, I think, really put him off. And I, I found out later it's because he's really been kind of struggling a bit with his own drinking. But he, you know, I asked him later, I said, it just seems like we haven't been hanging out much. He goes, yeah, it just makes me uncomfortable because I still drink and, and you don't. And I thought, hmm, that's partly his issue, but maybe I could have handled it better by not being such a, <laughs> you know, such an enthusiastic, sober person, I guess. But um, then again, uh, that's just the way I am right now. Um, but then the guys that I hang out with have been great. And I, I finally just said, hey, I, I quit. I told them why. And they've been really good about being supportive. And, you know, we used to meet to drink and they sometimes still do. But 
And I said, hey, why don't we get together for coffee like in the morning or something, not thinking that would work. And actually, we do it. And we hang out, we laugh, and we still go camping. And sometimes when we go camping, they they drink. But I'm to the point now where I, I just don't care. There's no way I'm going to go go back. So I'm grateful to my friends who have been supportive. Um, and a couple of people that I know have come to me and said, hey, I think I want to quit too. And I think just because we've hung in there and been friends, it, it helps. So. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think for me, socializing now in sobriety, it, it kind of really doesn't exist much because the last few years of my last relapse, my drinking was always at home or, or whenever it was, I was isolating. And I burnt every bridge before that. So anytime it was socialized drinking was you know, sitting in a bar and then debauchery and chaos happened, trying to make friends. I was already so sloppy, sloppy anyway, so friends never happened. So it was always isolating drinking. So come sober, try to socialize with people. It really doesn't exist too much as far as even if there's alcohol involved. So, you know, I think for me, as I I traveled a lot, I'm not as much as I used to, but I still travel and I'll still, people say I play with fire, but like living on the road and you eat out a lot and you eat out every night. And I'll sit at a bar and eat. Probably not the greatest thing to do in your first year of sobriety, but it worked. It was something that I I did right off the giddy up. So listening to people in a bar or businessmen and women out at night, it was I kind of introverted back to total out of what I was in my height of drinking because I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want to I didn't want anybody to know because if I didn't go socialize at friends' houses or what, I was already so blitzed by the time I got there because I didn't want them to know how much I was drinking because I am a, you know, bring a leader and beer and see, have them see me drink at all. So I think the hiding of it before and now in sobriety, it is like, it's just a different feeling just watching everybody else get fucked up in a way to where now it's like, oh, that's what I look like. Or that's, you know, I mean, I still don't have a filter in sobriety. God knows I had no filter <laughs> out of sobriety. So can't imagine some of the shit I said. But I think now socializing is just, to me, it's, I, I don't know if I feel wiser in a way. Like I'm, I'm I can actually make decisions, clear decisions now. To where when I socialized before, I made shitty ass decisions. I mean, shitty, shitty decisions. So, you're uh, right as a burnt out bulb, too. <laughs> you Canadians have these like water lighters. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think recently I've actually went to a wedding for the first time. Um, and socializing and it's weird people just assume that you drink 
you know, and I see this, you know, I'm, I'm sober absent with that. You know, anytime somebody says, hey, let's go have a drink or something, and it's like, no, no, let's hit my electric drink. And what do you mean you're not going to drink? Like, I think society just thinks everybody drinks, you know. So, you know, socializing to you. And I think the more sober I am, the more introverted I become. If you talk to people that knew me before, that may have been friends before, would say I was very extroverted mm-hmm. and now in sobriety and I, I, I don't mind it. I, I like it. I like my alone time. I, mean, I like my time to myself, but, but I look at it twofold to where in my height of drinking, it was still alone time, you know, and that wasn't, wasn't. You're really not connecting with anyone. Oh God! No. When you're drinking, yeah. and God, no. when you... I, I, there was a point where I had friends like Vince, where we'd go fishing and everything, and it got to a point where I wanted to be too fucked up by the time fishing even started. You know, so it wasn't worth my time to go. Did the same thing. I I planned ice fishing trips, and and they were actually drinking trips where we would go ice fishing. And that's what. It was, I think the idea every once in a while would be like, and it wasn't really drinking for me. It was smoking. Like, oh, I, I really need to quit smoking because I got to stop hiding this. Not, never thinking about, you know, the drinking part because I was going there to that and I just didn't want to smell like smoke or get caught smoking. But same sort of thing. Like I went there to get blasted and I get blasted on the way there and then I'd feel horrible on the way back. You know, the whole deal. Sure. Absolutely. Even like sporting events. I've said this yeah. before. Like, I've gone to sporting events now, and it's weird because I'm not drinking before. You know, like Vince said, everything I did during the day or at night revolved around drinking, or drinking was a, a part of it. So now in sobriety, it's like learning to go to a hockey game, learning to go to whatever and not be fucked up as weird. You know, I remember like my first hockey game, I'm walking down the venue and I'm like, how the fuck did I do these stairs drunk? Cause I can barely do them sober. It's like, it's going down. I'm like, I'm almost falling sober. How the hell did I do this track? So I think everything's like a learning curve in, you know, being social from going to sporting events to even going to the movies. I mean, nowadays you go to the movies and they got ours in the movies. Yeah. Shit. Right. When I went to the movies, we had to sneak this shit in. You know, you had to have a pipe and coal. And I'm like, now they serve it? Now it's, now it's okay? Fuck. What about the social anxiety when you get out into a place, especially in early sobriety? It's not so bad now, but in early sobriety, the social anxiety where you, the first time you don't order a drink and everyone around you expects you to order a drink and you walk away with like a pop or a water or something like that and you're like, oh God, everyone's watching me. So having a twin sister who is an active alcoholic and going to the bars that we all go to together, it was insane the first time I went to a bar with her friends without her and I ordered a water and it was like I was getting shots delivered to me and beers brought to me and 
because they're like, oh, we saw that your your hand was empty. And I'm just like, well, hey, I'm this person, not this, you know, you're wrong twin. And they're like, oh, wow, you know, and so just like, but most of them were like super supportive, like good for you, because I'd be like, well, I'm not drinking today because so like I've gone this long without a drink. And then they're just like, but you're in a bar. And I swear it was like that scene from that one movie with Reese Witherspoon. And they're like, you got a baby in the bar, but it says like Catherine's in the bar and she's not drinking. This is like a major like mind fuck to people because I mean, I'm a very social person. And, um, but the, the social anxiety is real. It's real. I went to my first two sporting events over this year. I went to a Texas Rangers game and a Dallas Cowboys preseason game and everybody around me was drinking. And of course I was DD, but you know, that's fine. And, uh, and it was just weird. I felt awkward ordering food sober. I felt awkward walking through the store sober. I felt weird not stumbling to the bathroom to throw up or pee, you know, it's just like, it was just weird. It was, please edit that out. (laughs) 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 It's true though. No, like you're, what you're saying is real and true. All of that is a new experience when you're sober and especially in early sobriety. I remember the first barbecue I went to, I brought my own, like, you know, be prepared, right? I brought my own water and pop and, and whatever it was, fizzy water, bubbly or something like that. And they had bought craft beer because they knew Steve was coming and Steve liked craft beer and it was good stuff too. And I showed up with my thing and I was all prepared and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm drinking my water and it's like, Steve, you want a beer? There's a whole bunch of craft beer there. Like, no, thanks. What? Like, are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. This water's great. You know, but why are you not having any beers? I don't feel like it today. Are you sick? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with you? And I'm just like, I've repeated myself a whole bunch of times. Like, I'm good. I'm just going to drink this. I didn't have the courage to tell them that I had quit, that I had a problem. But they, that whole time, I'm feeling like everyone's got eyes in the back of their head. And there's like satellites watching what I'm doing. There's, I feel that, and it's all like this internal pressure that I was carrying because I was doing something so different that I felt like I was the center of attention just because I wasn't doing what I was normally doing. And that made me feel awkward and introverted in there. And I didn't inject myself in conversations like I would have before. And I was happier kind of just sitting off in the middle of nowhere and, and being this silent observer. Cause I didn't really socializing was n- new. Like having words come out with thought attached to them was a new concept. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, that no real? That <laughs> first year though, as early guard down, there's certain situations where everybody just expects to drink like at least in my family weddings are one of them and sports games for sure but and i i think early in sobriety i just had to avoid those things but now i i guess because i've been through it a number of times it seems a lot easier but i remember really early in sobriety i had a big birthday i was turning 60 and i was gonna have a big party and just invite a bunch of friends and normally that would mean that i would have a ton of alcohol and I was going to 
smart recovery meetings at that time. And I was telling people like, how am I going to do this? And they're like, well, whose party is it? And I'm like, well, it's mine. And I said, well, then you, you get to decide whether you're going to have alcohol or not. And for the first time in my life, I had a party. I said, hey, we're not actually going to have alcohol at this. So I hope you'll come anyway. And pretty much everybody did. So that was really hard to do. But one, one thing that was really nice about that is I went, oh, maybe now in my life, I can have friendships that are kind of on my own terms, you know, like where I set the rules because I was used to adapting to like what everybody else did. So, and I think over the years, that's actually been kind of freeing. You know, it's one thing that's really great about sobriety is actually you can get to the point where you do kind of set the rules a little bit more because you know, if you don't, you could slip slip back so that was my thing was like I had friendships I hung out with people I socialized so that I could fit in and feel validated and like try to feel good about myself and try to gain some self-worth and you know feel like people liked me and all of that so I mean I was drinking and I was loud and I was extroverted and I I hung out with people that I probably wouldn't normally hang out with and when I got sober, my standards changed significantly. So a lot of the people I used to socialize with, I just don't anymore because it turns out I don't need to fit in and I don't need their validation anymore. And I don't need to feel good enough like that comes from within now. And that's not just getting sober. That is a shit ton of work that I've done to get to that point. But friendships for me now are about connection. Like, that's what I want in a friendship is somebody to have meaningful connection with. And that never existed in socializing before. Socializing before was all about just trying to feel good about myself, mostly, which sounds so selfish and, and it's kind of horrible to say, but it's also really true. Like, I was so insecure and my self-worth was so low that inserting myself into these social situations and girls nights and you know, holiday parties and stuff and mostly just made me feel like I mattered to other people. And really, I didn't because when I quit drinking and then I stopped showing up to things like that, like those people didn't call and say, hey, do you want to hang out or how you doing or what's going on? You know, they just needed more warm bodies at their party. <laughs> and I was happy to be one of those warm bodies. And like, it's I don't know, it just it's so different now what I want out of a friendship. And socializing in general looks different now. I don't want to go to a big party. I don't want to go to a crazy girls night where everybody's going to drink bottles of wine. Like I would rather go to a coffee shop with one or two friends and have a really great conversation or go on a hike and like actually connect in nature. So like the things that I used to think were fun really aren't fun anymore. Like I went to a Super Bowl party and before I probably would have had a blast and I would have been loud and I would have been laughing and I would have been telling ridiculous stories and, you know, all of those things. And when I went sober, I was like, oh, this isn't actually that engaging at all. Like, I don't watch football, right? There's no reason for me to go to a Super Bowl party because all I did was drink. And so when you're not drinking and you go to a Super Bowl party and you don't even understand football at all, like there's only commercial and the commercials weren't even good this year. So there was no point in me being there. And I just realized like, it's okay that the things that used to be fun just aren't fun anymore. And it's okay to stop doing those things and just be honest with myself. Like, hey, this just isn't going to fit into this life anymore. But there's other things that are better that you're going to enjoy more. And that was hard to wrap my head around for a while. I kept wanting to go back and do the things I used to do. 
And then I kept just feeling disappointed because they weren't that much fun anymore. Another thing we used to do was my husband and I would go dancing. We'd go to the country bar and, and dance, right? I don't know if any of our podcast listeners know that about me, but now you do. I'm a country dancer. so But it used to be so much fun. And we'd had a blast, but that's because I was wasted. And now when we go, it's like, it's not really entertaining. And so I kept trying to force myself to go. And I'd like sit there and watch all of these 20-something kids getting drunker and drunker and just kind of wondering why I was there. So at some point, I've just decided, you know, that it's just not going to be something I do anymore. And I think that has to be okay. There's lots of things I do now that are like nails on a chalkboard. It's it feels really off. And when you're sitting there talking there, Julie, and I'm like, I'm thinking about that. How many things did I do that I needed to drink to enjoy? Right. And then if I take that one step further, if I needed to drink to enjoy it, how much am I abandoning myself doing that? And that just feels crappy. Because well, like, I mean, I did have, I remember having fun doing that, but then if I like dig deeper, I'm just like, oh, Maybe that wasn't because it's not something I would do now. Sober. There's so many things we are expected to want to do and expected to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And when we don't, we're like, something's wrong with me. What's wrong with me? And then you drink to force yourself to enjoy it. And then you're convinced that you do. Right. Like there's this whole process that goes back to authenticity. It's just this whole process of being really honest with yourself and and honoring what you do like and what you don't like and letting that just be what it is instead of trying to to force yourself to fit into some box. I think one of the things you have to do, so you stop doing things that you go, I never really liked that in the first place. I'm just drinking to get through it. Like for me, I don't really do well in big parties. So I'm kind of introverted. And so I have to drink just to like function in that kind of space. So I don't really go to those anymore. But then at some point you ask yourself, okay, well, what am I doing to replace that? Right. Mm -hmm. If you, if you, and for me, people go like, what's the thing being sober? I'm like, it is so fun. Like, I have met so many people largely through online communities of sober people, like mm -hmm. Steve and Julie. And I know we've, we've kind of met online. And now I'm, I'm meeting those people face to face, you know, at different gatherings. And, um, that was never part of my life before. So in some ways, I've replaced some of those things that I didn't like with different kinds of conversations with people. And that's been fun. And I've joined like a hiking group that is mostly sober people. So I think at some point you feel like, okay, I've created up some space and now I have extra energy and maybe some room to do some, do some new things, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I think it's really important not to underestimate the value of internet friendships. Like I, forever, you know, I mean, I was raised in that generation where the internet was kind of brand new. And so it was always like, never talk to people online and don't ever let them know your real name. And, and so it was, it took a bit for me to get used to that, but internet friendships are very real. Like the only thing you're lacking is the ability to just hug the person when you want to, but online friendships through social media and through like online zoom meetings and stuff that has filled a major void. And it seems kind of crazy to say, like, it almost sounds silly, like all my friends are in my computer, but these are like the best friends I've ever had. And I think that it's important not to underestimate that. There's so much value to be had there if you let that be a possibility for you. 
you can still be vulnerable. You can still have those conversations uh, about the things that matter in life, whether it's here on Zoom like we're doing right now or over a phone call or text messages or, yeah, you're right, it lacks the human touch and it lacks that, you know, the actual physical closeness, but it's done wonders for me to have friends right right there in my pocket. Yeah, I think it almost had to, especially with like COVID. Yeah. You know, I think I think in the recovery community, I think not to say COVID would ever be a blessing by any means, but I think when COVID happened and people were now resorting to Zoom and Teams and all these things to connect with family and friends, you know, I, I never did a an, an AA meeting online they were always in person you know so when all that started to come out and it may have been there before but i don't think it was this big but i think now since covid happened and you know some people still just because of covid did everything on the zoom and that's the way they like it you know if they don't want to go out to an AA meeting and they maybe they're more introverted and and this is their way, you know, their safe place, you know, behind the screen. And that's totally cool. You know, if it helps them, it helps them, you know. So I think the the avenues for support and for everything, I mean, shit, look at telehealth now. You can see your doctor via Zoom. So it's, I, I feel it's not about the recovery world tremendously yeah. by being able yeah. to, to do, you know, internet recovered yeah mm-hmm. it, it may feel safer for people too you know like i was scared to death i'm gonna scared to death to go to an aa meeting the first time i went <laughs> and i didn't really stick with it I, I quit in other ways but going online was easier for me and maybe so some people keep the camera off yeah you, camera well. you really had the option of choosing when you wanted to be seen you had the option to sit and listen and hear those stories and and feel the feels and hide if you needed to and cry if you needed to or show yourself when you when you needed to it's like all of those there's just a whole bunch of different options different avenues it made like you said uh people with really high social anxiety it gave them a place to show up and still be seen and heard and hear other people's stories where I don't think they would have ever, you know, gotten off the couch and would have sat. Like, we know people that took a really long time to turn their camera on and they're still sober today because of it. Well, that was me. For I mean, I never would have had the courage to show up at, like, an AA meeting or any kind of meeting because I didn't want anybody to see my face and know that I was an alcoholic. Like, I, I just couldn't handle the shame, right? So to show up at a meeting and keep my screen off was perfect. I didn't talk. I just listened and I heard other people that were talking and sounded just like me. And if I hadn't had that option to to ease my way into a sober community with Zoom and with the, you know, turning my camera off, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sober still. I wouldn't have the friendships that we talk about. I wouldn't have, you know, even the the internet socializing. And now I'm like Vince and Steve and like I travel all over the country meeting sober people 
that I met online. But it had for me, it had to start with showing up at a meeting with my camera off before I would ever get to that point. So yeah, it has absolutely been a gift for me to be able to do it that way. And now I'm like podcasting and blasting my face all over social media. Like, hey, I'm an alcoholic, but I'm sober and you should be sober too. That was not how I started this journey. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I'm going to wrap this one up. We talked about a lot of awesome things today. Vince, you mentioned a story about being honest with your friends and then mentioning a, a different avenue, or a different way. Let's go out for coffee. And sometimes it's scary to change things up and offer up a new solution for things because you're giving people a, a, an opportunity to show up in a different way. And I think it's really cool that you have an example of those friends saying, all right, cool, we can do that. And then still being a part of that. Matt, you mentioned it's a different feeling watching others drink and talk, right? And right. it's, it, you're right. It's definitely a feeling of reflecting back of like, wow, I can't believe that was me. And so it changes that whole environment because that was you and you had to drink to be there. So it, it for me, it makes it just uncomfortable. I don't need to be here anymore. This is not my place. The social anxiety, especially in early sobriety, and I think it's in late sobriety too, it can, it still crops up for me, just not as often, but definitely I thought the world was staring at me when I was doing something that was very different to what my normal actions were. The standards of friendships changing and how connection becomes, Julie mentioned this, became like a primary part of socialization. And then I think the main part and the main theme of everything that we talked about tonight was is how everything kind of changes once you know, socializing in sobriety with introversion and realizing that, you know, I'm much more introverted than I thought I was and how when I had to drink to insert myself into these highly populated environments and stuff like that. So uh, change in the way... We socialize when we're sober is okay. It doesn't make us any less fun. It doesn't make us any more boring. It just means that our lens through which we see the world has changed and that's why everything else looks and feels different. So I want to say thank you, Vince. Thank you, Catherine. And thank you, Matthew, for joining us and sharing your thoughts and your experiences tonight. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you all so much for sharing your time with us today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow through the Glass Recovery Podcast so you don't miss future episodes. See you next week.